Okay, Peter. Okay. Well, welcome everybody to our first uh, DLN Expert Access uh, series for 2021. Uh, today, uh, we're going to take a, a closer look at um, in, in one of our a very important topic uh, in the field of architecture and design, which is that of the financial management of design firms. Uh, we thought this would be a great way to kick off 2021 as we're all finalizing our financial plans for the year and looking to do better than ever. Um, today, my guest is Yotam Kadim. Uh, he's a partner at uh, an international consulting and accounting firm called Precise. Uh, we had the opportunity to meet Yotam thanks to one of our board members and member of the DLN, Matt Berman uh, from Workshop APD. So thank you to Matt. Uh, today, Yotam is going to take us through the kinds of financial metrics, uh, tools, and objectives that help uh, design firm leaders uh, see increased profits. It's really as simple as that. And so um, uh, I just want to remind everybody before we start that uh, we'll use the Q&A button on your screens to collect questions. Uh, Yotam, uh, we will certainly be able to answer questions along the way if you want to clarify anything in this presentation. And then we'll also have an opportunity for Q&A at the end. Uh, so with that, uh, I'll hand things off to Yotam and we'll get started here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Peter. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining. Um, let me just uh, start by sharing my screen. Um, as um, as Peter uh, said, you know we're uh, at Precise. Uh, we really um, focus on the financial management of uh, design firms, uh, if it's um, architectural firms, um, interior designers, landscape architects, um, structural engineers, uh, uh, etc. Um, I know that's not probably the sexiest part of, um, of the business or the one that everybody went to school for or opened their own firm for, but it is something that's, um, that's very important. Um, and again, we'll talk a little bit about what is important to focus on when working, um, when, when working and we're managing uh, your, your design firm uh, and what things you know, we um, really wanna make sure we give enough attention and we do uh, kind of on a regular basis to make sure that we don't only have a great design, but we also have um, a profitable business. Um, so really, um, this is the financial management for design firms. It's really one of the more uh, complicated business uh, to manage. Um, and, and why is that? First of all, it's a very competitive industry. Um, it's somewhat sometimes difficult for clients to really kind of look and uh, distinguish the quality of the design or the value that a designer brings before the jobs start. So a lot of times when, um, when clients compare proposals or bids, they would look at, at pricing. Um, so that makes it a little bit uh, uh, difficult for us. Also, as, as a company or, or as a designer, um, which I'm sure some of you share here, sometimes you know, we'll almost wanna do a project for free, right? We care so much about the design that sometimes the price is not really what, what pushes us forward, what really um, really makes the decision if to take or not the project. So therefore, again, it's, it's a very competitive industry. And the second thing is really uncertainty. Um, this is, these are projects that can you know, take, take on a long time. Um, the, the length, the complexity of a project when we take on a project is really unknown. We have to estimate a lot of different things uh, we have second consideration, a lot of different things, and things change a lot. Uh, things change a lot because, you know, design or, or the client's, you know, taste or whatever direction they want to go can shift depending on internal or external factors. Uh, so therefore, the way we manage projects in the firm is very, uh, is very important. Um, I know sometimes, you know, we would bill a client on an hourly basis, so we feel like we're really protected, but many times, A, we're not billing on an hourly basis, we're maybe doing a markup or we're doing a fixed fee. And many times also we're trying to stay within some kind of a budget when we deal with a client. And therefore, again, this is, this is a complicated business to manage. So for every one of you that, you know, sometimes struggles with this piece of the business, um, it's, you know, it, it makes sense. It's, it's, it's tough, it's not an easy thing to do. And therefore we gotta work with really, uh, with tool and, and financial management. We have to manage the firm according to really objectives and budgets, uh, quantitative data, uh, so to speak. So how do we do it? It all sounds nice, but how do we really kind of do it? Um, 
So really the first thing um, we, we wanna do is we wanna define objectives, right? Uh, we have two main avenues when we're dealing with management or financial management of a firm. One is the firm and the other one is the project, right? So when, what does that mean defining objectives for a project? So defining objective for a project, it's budgets, it's projection. Uh, it's really to tell us, okay, we have this much fee. This is how much hours, right? Because we like to talk in hours, how much hours we can really spend on it. Um, and, and really, so we know when we get into a project, if we spend, I'm just saying, 2000 hours on this job, we'll be okay. We're spending over, we're not okay. Uh, we're spending under, we're even more profitable than, than, um, than we thought. Um, we're not gonna focus today too much on the project side. We're gonna focus more on the firm side, but really project management and project budgeting and monitoring is something very important that you know, everyone needs to do, whether it's with a software or, or it's not. Um, and, and even firms that have software, having a software, having a database is not enough. We need to be focused. We need to be mindful of it. Um, and if it's, if it's the principles, if it's the whatever project managers or whatever that would be, uh, we need to make sure we monitor that. We'll talk more about the firm. So defining really objectives from the firm is really critical if it's budget for expenses, if it's revenue objectives, if it's contract objectives, we'll really go through all of the specifics. But the first step is defining it. Um, the second step, and maybe as important, if not more important, is really to measure it, right? The fact that we only say this is going to be our goal, but if we don't go and really measure all of these different criteria, all those different uh, numbers, it's, it's really meaningless, right? It doesn't, doesn't really help us just define it. It's really about measuring it um, and understanding what's happening um, in the firm. So how do we do it? How do we set objectives for, for the firm? What is it based on? What are the metrics, uh, and et cetera? So here we have kind of a sample, right, of a P&L statement, a profit and less statement that you guys can probably see if it's from your bookkeeper, the CPA, or if you have like access to your accounting software, you can run a P&L at any given point for any given period and see where you are, which, which is great because it's great to know where we are, but also it's important for us to really have a forecast and have a budget. So if we're talking here about some of um, the, the, the numbers or the line items that's really important for us to monitor as a firm, we start with the gross revenues, right? Now that includes all of the revenue that came into to the firm. It includes our billing, it includes fixed fee, and it includes markup on furniture or, or whatever that is. So really our gross number, and I know we use the word, you probably heard the word gross receipts a lot in the past couple of weeks, because right, the PPP or PPP2 uh, is really based on gross receipt, which means that the top number. Uh, so we really wanna see what that number is. Then we wanna see what are our cost of, uh, of goods sold. Uh, really, it includes the FF&E or includes the furniture that we're buying. Uh, for some, it might include uh, subs like, you know, uh, engineers or anything like that. It's really a pass through the company. Really the number kind of in like a bluish color or a grayish blue is the net revenue. The net revenue is the number we really care about. Really what is the firm revenue, the firm direct revenue? If we just, you know, take out the noise, right? The furniture, all of that stuff that's really just a line item on a P&L. What is the revenue that come to us? Not pass through, not in and out, just what is the net revenue that stays in the firm? That's a very important number that we always need to know uh, what it is. Yes, the PPP is not calculated based on that number, but as, as a number that you manage the firm is based on the net revenue. Uh, we then have uh, direct expenses. So if it's honors, owners or principal or partner salaries, professional staff costs, uh, and again, when we say professional staff costs, that includes the technical staff, meaning people that work on, on projects, uh, billable, let's say billable employees. And when we say cost, we don't only mean salaries, we also mean associated costs with it. If it's, you know, FICA, if it's health insurance, if there's a 401k component, how much really are the staff that is producing the revenue? How much do they cost us? And the percentage, right? that we're monitoring how much of our revenue goes to, the, to that category of professional staff is very, very important because it tells us a lot about our efficiency, right? If we're spending 80% of our revenue on our professional staff costs, 
it means something is probably wrong, right? Because we're not going to have enough for profits, for overhead, for et cetera. We like to be in a place between 40 to 50% of really kind of where that money goes to professional staff costs. We also have admin staff. If it's, you know, if it's a bookkeeper, if it's the HR, really depends on the size of the company. Also, your admin obviously uh, varies uh, in size and sometimes in percentages. Um, once we take all of that out, what we call direct expenses, which is salaries, which is um, you know, health insurance, a lot of that, what is, let's call it, fixed to employees, right? We have our gross profit, or basically our profit before overhead, uh, real overhead. Um, and then we kind of look at the overhead line items. Obviously, there's, there's a lot more overhead items. Sometimes we like to have them maybe grouped as much as possible, because, you know, we, yes, there's sometimes marketing materials or marketing consultants and all of that stuff. But really for us to analyze where we're spending or overspending, sometimes we need to group some categories together so we can see as a ratio to the revenue of we're overspending or underspending. Rent is a big one. Uh, obviously, again, not every, you know, everybody here is in a different place uh, in the U.S. or in the world. And the rent as a percentage is, is different. New York City, um, let's say pre-COVID, uh, rent was a big piece um, of our uh, of our revenue. You know, for some firms, uh, it would be between five percent to seven point five percent of the net revenue went went to rent. It's not the same place that every you know. It's not the same amount, the same percentage at every place in the world. But it's a number we need to know uh, what it is. And the number that we say are we overspending on rent? Is our rent too expensive? Are we spending too much rent? doesn't necessarily mean that we have the most expensive place in the world. It might also mean that we have more room to grow within, within the space. So we need to see where that number is. That's a very big, big number that we need to look at uh, rent. We have other uh, expense items like marketing, uh, computers. These are two, two of the items that we monitor. And sometimes we want to make sure we're spending enough, right? Uh, marketing should have some kind of a return on investment. Uh, our I component and computers. Um, again, we don't want to overspend on any category, but we also want to make sure we have the right IT solutions, that we don't have efficiency, there are issues that are linked to IT. Um, and again, we have all of these different uh, line items, if it's travel, if it's insurance and, and other expenses. Really the thing about these overhead expenses uh, is they're pretty fixed, right? If we grow or if we, or if we um, downsize, uh, these line items, what we call operating expenses, they don't shift that substantially. Uh, that's why we're kind of looking at them together. Uh, EBITDA or earning before interest, depreciation, uh, et cetera, uh, is really kind of our profit. If we deduct interest and depreciation, we really see the number that we care about, which is profit before tax. Uh, some firms would call it uh, EBBT, which is earning before bonuses and taxes, right? When we do a bonuses to either the owners or to, uh, to our staff members, we like to put it under that line items to say how profitable we were. Sometimes when we deal with pass-through entities like LLCs on S-Corp, or sometimes let's say cleaning the firm every, every month off profit. So maybe our P&Ls every year are gonna look like zero, but we need to see what is the bonus uh, component uh, of it. So first, again, we kind of analyze the past, what happened. And then we got to set goals for us for, for the future. So if we look at that 2021 forecast, how do we really get to these numbers? How do I know that a firm that was making 5.4 net revenue, um, 5.4 million net revenue in 2020, how can this company reach 6 million next year? How do I know if it's, if it's doable? If it's, how do I set up this goal? And that what we see on the left side is really the key performance indicators. Key performance indicators help us identify and calculate really our uh, goals and our objective. The number one that we use, and it's a very important indicator, is revenue per professional employee. So it, in reality, that number means for every employee or technical employee that we have in the firm, how much money are we getting back? Um, we want to be, again, the metrics, again, difference, obviously, uh, by, by location. Um, in New York, for example, depends on the size of the company, it's usually between 15 to 20,000 a month we're getting from, um, for, from each employee. Now, that means, does that mean that if we have 15, we're low? Wait, it, it means also we need to see the structure of the firm. Are we 
top heavy? Are we bottom heavy? There's a lot of different things that go into it, but we can really identify, let's say the capability or the potential of the firm by looking at how much is the revenue per professional employee. That's what we really use to decide or to calculate uh, the, the, the objective for uh, 2021. We also have a revenue per professional cost ratio, uh, which is kind of like a multiplier, but what we like to call a revenue multiplier. Um, you guys probably hear a lot about the, the cost multiplier that we sometimes use for, um, you know, for agencies or to calculate our cost. Um, we say, okay, if we pay somebody $20 or $30 um, uh, an hour, our multiplier is three, that means you know, the hour is costing us 90, which is important ratio to know what your multiplier is, but to see what your revenue multiplier, that really tells us how, how uh, efficient, uh, efficient uh, the company is. And sometimes when we are at the high efficiency and we're very efficient, we're getting a lot of revenues, but we're still not profitable, that might not mean that the revenue is the issue. It might mean that the expenses are the issue. So we need to first, again, work through these, these indicators uh, and, and see where, um, where we are. Uh, so we'll basically set up the goal for the goals for 2021 for the revenue based on the key performance indicators, the salaries, the cost. We know what the cost is of the salary. We know how much we're going to spend like on health insurance for every person, what the salaries would be. We like to have some kind of a buffer in there in case there are raises or anything like that. Um, and our operating expenses, they, as I said, they don't shift uh, uh, too much, right? So we can, um, we really need to set up a budget, but just, just kind of going by what we spent last year is not enough because we want to make sure that we're working off a budget, right? If we're saying, for, for, for example, that our marketing budget is, is 120, we need to look at it month by month to see that we're not exceeding this budget too much and we just put a number there uh, just, just to have a number. Um, we, we then really see what is the profit uh, goal for, for the company, how much we really want, want to make in, in the next year. By the way, forecasting and objectives, it's not gonna be the same number every year, right? We are gonna take into consideration things like, you know, maybe we have a very profitable job that we know we can really um, work on and, and, and be more efficient. Maybe we increase efficiency. Maybe our structure is now different. So the goal is not gonna be the same goal year over year. Uh, so we have to, at the end of the year, Kind of like you know what we did with our clients in in November December is really set on you know the numbers and really uh, uh, figured out uh, uh, objectives for the year 2021. We are going to talk about um, utilization uh, and billable hours and how much that's important for the, for the company profitability. Uh, that is definitely a goal that we need to to have for for a firm is what is the utilization goal. Uh, and again, utilization is really, let's say, the amount of time that's being spent on the billable time or on projects versus the entire time that uh, the employees are, are, are inputting in their timesheets. Uh, we need to have a goal for how many billable hours we need from every technical uh, position. And we need to make sure we're very much on, on top of it. Not just firms that are billing on an hourly basis, but for everybody um, for workload management, uh, for real accurate data of project performance. We need to make sure that our utilization uh, and billable hours are A, posted correctly, uh, and B, that people are focused on projects. Uh, and I'm not oh, Tim, saying- I have a question for you uh, that came through the chat. Um, okay. and, um, is when you look at these ratios of um, expenses to revenue, uh, should we be looking at versus net revenue or gross revenue? So, so we should we should look at it versus net revenue. Um, so everything kind of I said is is always based on uh, on the net revenue uh, because again everything on top of it it's kind of like a pass through, right? We buy furniture and then we kind of sell it. It's nothing that stays. So all of the ratios should be based on net revenue. Um, and, and again, I just finished the thought about the, the billable hours. We really need to make sure people are uh, posting their time accurately and that we know. Uh, and again, when we grow in size, that's part of the management that's sometimes tougher is to know what every single person is doing. Uh, it's very helpful to look at the utilization and to, to know where that time is being spent on. Um, unless there's any other questions about this, Peter, I think I'm gonna go 
to uh, the next report, which is the measurement. Now, yeah, I don't have any other questions at this point, but I really want to encourage everybody to ask questions because you're, you know, rattling off quite a number of terms and I want to make sure everyone uh, really understands everything you're talking about. Okay. Um, measurement. So as we said, we set up goals. This is important. You know, we have a budget. We know what we need to do in the next year. If we only wake up a year from now in December or in January and see how we did, that, that's not helpful. I mean, it's almost meaningless to do these objectives. It doesn't really help us in any way. Um, so we need to find a way to really measure uh, those, um, those kind of expenses, those numbers to really see where we are. Um, I like to talk now about a few important indicators or important numbers that we need to look at on a monthly basis. Now, when we deal with budget, when we deal with expenses, when we deal with like, you know, marketing and all of that stuff, sometimes looking at it month by month is not that helpful because maybe we had like a big marketing expense in like January, but then we're not spending anything in like February and uh, March. So we like to look at expenses, like specific expenses on a quarterly basis, but there are things that are important to look at every month to see, to see where we are. So we basically have here an example. If we're now at the end of March, uh, and we're looking at kind of our activity in January, February, March, we'll see what is our monthly average, and then we'll compare it to the goal that we set, the objective that we set in the beginning, we'll compare it to that and see if we're over and under. So what are the numbers that we really care about? Uh, we start with, you know, number of active projects and remaining balance in active projects or what we call the backlog, a very, very important number, right? How much signed work do we have that is yet to be built? Now, I know some firms have hourly bid. Some firms have markup on furniture. It's hard to know the actual number that we have in our contract. We need to estimate, right? We need to say, well, we're getting a 25% markup on furniture. Their budget is, I'll call it a million dollars. Well, our fee as estimated is, is 250. Now that might not be really the final fee, but we need to know what we're working on. So have an idea of really the workload in the office, we really need to know what is our backlog or balance in active projects. Um, we need to not only know the number, we also need to know the trend. Is that number going up? Is that number going down? And then we'll see why is it going down? Is it going down because we're billing like crazy? Or is it going down because we're not signing enough new work? So we have to really see what the trend is Regardless of the reason, when we see our backlog goes down, that's also, you know, it's kind of a warning sign to say, wait a minute, we will, you know, we might have an issue a few months down the road because we're not, we don't have enough work uh, to sustain uh, the staff we have. So that's a number that uh, is very important to look at on a monthly basis. We need to see uh, where we are. Um, we also look at the balance of the outstanding invoices or our accounts receivable, how much money is owed to us by our clients. Again, important to know what the number is, important to know the, um, the trend it's going, is it going up, is it going down? Um, a lot of people get scared when that number goes up. Well, oh my God, people are not paying, they owe us so much money. We're also very scared when that number is going down. When we don't have a lot in the AR, that means that's really our cash flow for the next two months. So if our AR is low, that means we won't be able to collect as much in the, in the next couple of months. So we need to really see that number, what it is, uh, and really also look at the trend of, uh, of where it's going. Um, different firms will have different metrics as far as you know, uh, what should be in the uh, AR and what should be in the backlog. Um, it depends on the length of your projects and how fast the clients are, are paying you guys. So for example, balance in active projects, um, it's gonna be you know, very different for let's say uh, firms that are just focused on interior design and firms that are focused on the architectural side as well because the architectural side might have longer projects. Those longer projects will need more in the backlog. Um, if it's shorter projects, we don't need as much because we know it's kind of churning and, and going pretty fast. Um, balancing outstanding invoices, if we're dealing with private residents or private people that are paying for us pretty fast, we, our goal for the AR is going to be lower. If we're dealing with institution or with public work, they're paying slower, we know it takes longer time 
to, to, uh, to get paid. So every one of this line item, we got to set a goal for it and we got to see what the trend is, but it's really different from firm to firm based on, you know, uh, job typology uh, and client uh, typology. You know, some, I have some questions here I want, that are coming through the chat that I want to try to yeah. get some clarity on. Sure. So I'm going to ask them all and then maybe you can kind of sure. uh, clarify. First of all, uh, can you speak to benchmarks along the way here, either within a firm, a setting benchmarks that would be used to, you know, set objectives and, you know, track. And then secondly, uh, you know, outside benchmarks that might be <clears throat> good tools for people to think about uh, for uh, either setting up their objectives or measuring. And then uh, the next question I want to, um, that I have here is simply just a little more explanation about the, um, the numbers on this uh, chart here. Uh, just making sure that we all are on the same page in terms of the number of active projects and the hours remaining. There's some question about whether or not um, the number of projects seems high, the hours may seem low relative to those projects. Can you just help us understand where these numbers come sure. from and how sure. people might be able to translate them for their own business where they may only have, let's say, you know, uh, uh, an inter interior design firm with 20 projects active sure. at one time, how that might look different from what you're presenting here? Yeah. Um, so let's start with the benchmark. I think benchmark is very important as far as the, um, the expenses and the, uh, let's say key performance indicators. So as I said before, when we talk about the revenue uh, and we're basing it on between 15 to 20,000, uh, that gives us an idea of where the industry is, right? So if we need to build 15, between 15 to 20, let's say 18,000 or 20,000 per technical person, um, that gives us an idea of where we are. Let's say we're billing 16, um, or maybe we're in the lower end of the, um, the industry. However, as I said, and that's why there's external benchmark and internal benchmark, because if we're a very, let's say bottom heavy firm, um, that we have a lot of junior staff, that 16,000 might be enough for us. And on the other hand, if we're top heavy and a lot of our uh, firm is senior people, we might need more like 19,000 or 20,000. So it's important to know what the industry is, but also then to see where we are as far as uh, seniority or the, or the structure of the firm really shifts some of that revenue benchmark. As far as the expense benchmark. So I think again, the, the idea, uh, and again, it's different between obviously sizes of the, of the firms, but um, when we have things like um, um, rent, which as I said, you know, the benchmark in the industry, again, specifically more to the, to the New York area is between 5% to 7.5%. In New Jersey, that's like about three to 4%. Uh, same is in, in, in Boston and DC. So they're, they're gonna be based on your location, some, some shifting with that, with that um, regards. Um, but things like, you know, marketing, things like IT and all of that, there are benchmarks, certain benchmarks of what percentage that, that we need to, to spend on. Uh, I'll say in general, without going one by one, we want our overhead, right, expenses, which are kind of the fixed expenses, to not be more than 20%, to be anywhere between 15% to 20% of our, our net revenue. Um, it, it does fluctuate with the size of the company. So, uh, you know, a firm of four people is not gonna be the same as a firm of 50 people. But in reality, that's kind of where uh, we need to be. And that's really how we compare how we spend versus industry, but also internally to get to what we care about, which is kind of the profit margin um, in, uh, in the firm. To talk about specifically about this report, and, and again, these are just examples, right? So. Uh, there's a lot of number of active projects here and it might not be huge or big. And it, the numbers as a number here, it's not as important. It doesn't matter if you have 200 projects or if you have six, you wanna see how much active jobs you have and what is the trend in them. And the same thing goes for the backlog. You wanna see what that number is and, uh, and that trend. As far as objectives and goal for the remaining balance in active projects and outstanding invoices, that is really more based on the um, kind of the life of the project or the life cycle of the project. So for example, if we have- Yotam, can, can, can you just stop one second here? 
as we look at this and just explain because it's not super clear on the report here. Number of active projects is a hard number of projects, right? Yeah. And then total remaining balance in active projects, that's hours? No, that's, that's, that's running balance. That, that's dollars and like millions. Let's say 15 million or whatever it is or 15,000. That's, that's dollars. Yeah, yeah. That's not, and the then hours total balance the and outstanding invoice is this is your this is dollars this is your AR yeah the accounts okay. received maybe you should maybe just walk through this chart and just make sure everyone is on the same page in terms of the you know what is being calculated in each bucket here so whether it's hours or dollars or what have you yeah yeah sure so again as we said before and again number of active projects number of outstanding invoices that's just the number of how many projects are active. Um, in, in the firm right now, again, it can be 200, it can be five, it can be 50. It really depends on what, um, and, and again, when we say number of active projects, it's everything that's active, that's design, if it's CA, everything that has some activity. Um, number of outstanding invoices is really how many invoices do we have outstanding um, uh, right now in, in the firm and, and is owed. To be honest, the numbers of active projects, the number of outstanding invoices, it's important to know but it's not that relevant for decision-making. The decision-making numbers are the remaining balance in active projects, which is the dollar value, right? We just, again, we put here a number, 15,000, 15 million, whatever that is. That's just a number that tells us um, how much right now we have signed in projects that we did not bill yet. And the balance in outstanding invoices, that's again, in dollars, how much is owed uh, right now by the clients. And I'll say the numbers are important, but also the trend is important. So how we calculate that number uh, for, for example, balancing active projects, we basically look at our job and let's say we have a $100,000 fee in a job. If we already build 20,000, our active or our balance in the budget in the project will be 80,000. That's the number we have for the workload to do uh, in, uh, in the future. Um, the AR or the outstanding invoices is how much money we have right now really outstanding, how much money are the client owes us. We build that 20,000, we did not get paid yet, a client owes us $20,000. So that's really kind of the numbers. Obviously you have uh, AR, you, you have it in your software. It's a, it's a click of a button, you can run a report to say how much the client owe you, but it's not just about the number, it's also about the trend and how relevant it is or, or what is the relationship between these numbers and your net revenue. So for example, um, if you're in this example, if you're in January or whatever around, we're, we're billing around 500,000, we see 580 in our net revenue, sorry, collecting about 580, 500,000 in a regular month. If our AR is 1.5, that means we have three months of collection or billing in our AR, which is usually the number that most firms have. Some firms have less because people pay them faster. If we have three months of collection or of billing in our accounts receivable, that means on average, we're getting paid by 60 days. Meaning we, are, we just sent invoices, so we have zero, we have 30 days and we have 60 days in our AR. Again, I don't wanna to go too much into specifics because it's different for every firm, that ratio, but we need to look at the ratio to see what it is, our AR and our backlog with ratio to our average monthly revenues. Yo, yo Tim, can I ask you a question? I'm yeah. just gonna keep, because uh, I'm getting a lot of chats here and I wanna just slow okay. down and make sure, sure we don't lose people. Okay. So <clears throat> a couple of things is it'd be very um, reasonable to suggest, for example, this seems like a fairly large firm given yeah. that they might have 250 projects happening at one time. Um, but you could easily just take off one of those numbers and have, and this chart would all work, right? You could have yes. 23 projects, 25 projects. The numbers are, don't matter. It's just the idea that you're tracking the number exactly. of projects. You're tracking the number, the, um, the amount you expect to invoice remaining on those projects. You're expecting, you're tracking the, um, the accounts receivable from those projects, et cetera. That's what this is really trying to do. It's exactly. Tracking it's really, the numbers yes. don't matter. It's really just that you have these categories that you're looking at. And then maybe you could just comment a little bit because I'm certain that your clients are not, you know, I, I, I'm, I can imagine that many of your clients are, you know, their eyes are glazing over as you're taking them through this on a monthly basis. 
what advice do you have, you know, just stopping for a moment to take stock for design firm leaders who, you know, are trying to find the best way to interact with their accounting or bookkeeping professional and really try to kind of be as sophisticated as possible about these kinds of um, uh, both of the P&L that we just looked at as well as this kind of measurement? So I think it's really about identifying which numbers are important. Uh, so again, we started by talking about the two numbers as far as the remaining balance in active projects and the AR. These are the first two numbers that we want to make sure we look at on a monthly basis to see what that number is and, 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 and the trend of it. So whatever method we have of measuring it, uh, if it's with the software we have, or if it's a bookkeeper, uh, you know, obviously with our clients, it's done by us, but every other firm has different methods of kind of gathering the information. Um, these are the numbers uh, we want to, uh, we care about. So we started with remaining balance in active projects. We spoke about the AR and really going into the more monthly numbers that are very important for decision-making. We look at the next one, which is the net revenue, right? So that is how much we collected net. Remember, after we pay the furniture with our markup, how much was left for the firm? So for example, this example, we see that the net revenues that we have for the first three months, January through March, on average is 493. It's called $493,000 on average for the first three months. We set a goal right at the beginning of the year that we want to get 508,000 a month every month. We are saying we're 3% under objectives. I think one of the biggest mistakes that firm owners make is when they, they look at this number, right? And you can have really the bookkeeper from the PL generate that number. Every time we'll say, okay, we're under the collection, we have a collection issue. We're not collecting enough. There's a problem. The clients owe us too much money. We don't have a process. And sometimes it's true. Most of the time it's not true. The reason the collection gets the, the hit, or gets the bad rap is because that's the last link in the chain, right? Before we collect, we need to bill. Before we bill, we need to make sure we have the work. We need to make sure we have new contracts. So there's a lot of different kind of uh, links in, in, in this whole thing. So it's not just enough to just look at the collection and say, we're over or under objective. So we'll- So you're saying, and I'll just, I'm just going to keep trying to clarify a bit here so that we really make sure we know what we're talking about. So you're saying if we look at that net revenues line here and it looks like we're averaging below plan, below the goal for the year to date, yeah. we can't just say, oh, we're not collecting enough. We have to go back and make sure we have enough work, that we're doing the work, we're billing the work. Yeah. And I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. So now we're looking at the net billing, right? We said we're 3% under as far as the revenue. Let's look at our billing. We look at the two lines under, we see what our billing was. We see, you know what? We're 5% under in the billing. We want it to be at 530, we're at 559. So how can we expect collection, right? To get to the goal if the billing is under the goal? And then the question will be, okay, we have a billing issue, but let's say that, wait, let's, maybe it's not you know, producing or whatever. Maybe we're not, we don't have enough work. Maybe we're not generating enough work. We're not signing enough work. Let's look at two lines below, amount of new contracts. And in the amount of new contracts, we're seeing we're actually over the objective. So really this helps us identify that the issue is not that we don't have enough work, we're not producing enough. So that's what I kind of meant by going through the chain, we gotta see, is it, we're not collecting enough? Okay, let's see, you know, let's go one line under to see, or two lines under, is it billing? We're not billing enough? Let's go two lines under to see if it's you know workload, if it's contract. And in this specific example, what we're seeing here is that we have the work for some reason, and we'll get to the reason in a second. For some reason, we're not producing enough billing, even though we have the work. And if we go a few lines under to what we said num uh, number of work hours in the past month, three lines from the bottom. Here we can really see, okay, we wanted that the company as a company generates 5,775 hours every month. We're only generating 5,500 
And that's really our problem. We don't have enough billable hours on the job. And if we look at the billing per hour, we are billing enough per hour. So the jobs are done efficiently. The hours on the project, the project would look on budget, but our problem is utilization. And the fact um, we don't, people are putting too much time to general office. We're not putting enough time in their timesheets or, or whatever that would be. Our issue right now, and this is guys, this is an example, it's a sample. I'm not saying this is really where the issue is, but in this example, our problem is utilization. We have a problem with utilization and therefore it affects our billing. We're not billing enough and therefore we're not collecting enough. And that's- and really just to be clear with, yeah, when you ahead. mean by utilization, you mean that you were basically spending too much hours per project. No, so utilization is basically hours that don't go on projects, that go to general office, that go to marketing. It's the technical staff time that is being spent on non-projects activity. So, so we have overhead that's not being applied to projects. We might have too much overhead is what you're saying. We, uh, it, 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 it can vary, but maybe we have, uh, maybe we have, we have a staffing issue, right? We have a certain, <laughs> certain person that doesn't have enough work. So he's putting 70% of his time on the job and 30% is putting to general office because that person doesn't have enough work. That's why we need to look on a monthly basis on the utilization of every person, how much time every person puts in towards jobs versus how much time they put towards general office. Now, senior people will have responsibilities like sometimes it's BD, sometimes it's marketing. The junior staff should be very, very billable. Their utilization, meaning hours that go on jobs should be very, very high. Um, and again, this is an example. From our experience, most firms have a utilization issue, um, especially Can firms just, that, that are growing. So I started to keep interrupting you. I no, just, okay. um, I'm also watching the clock here and want to make sure we kind of come to a, a yes. head here because we are going to conclude at, uh, at 10.30. Um, yeah. can you, so what would you do if you looked at this report three months into the year and you sort of were advising this firm here. And again, recognizing that these numbers are just numbers, uh, really what's yeah. important is the idea of you know, setting objectives, measuring, and then trying to say, okay, well, now that I'm looking at my reports, whatever they may be, in this case here, what would you tell this firm to do? So I will tell you this firm is that we have a problem that our staff, and we'll go, we'll dig deeper, right? After we look at this, we'll dig, dig deeper to every person and their time and how it's spent. We have, a, we have a problem that our staff is not putting enough hours on projects and their hours are going somewhere else. We need to identify the reason why that's happening. Is it because they don't have enough work, which is something that's wrong with our staffing or our management because we're not distributing the work properly because we definitely have the work, right? We're signing the contracts. We're just not generating the work. Or if we have people that you know are just not efficient with the way they kind of their time and I don't know, they, they take you know, a few hours to clean up their desk or whatever it is that they're doing. We have to identify what is the issue person by person and see where our, our problem is. Um, the point really of all of this is that, and, and again, to answer your question, Peter, there isn't one number that tells us what the problem. We gotta go through the remaining balance and active projects, the balance and outstanding invoices, our revenue, our billing, our new contracts, our number of billable hours. We got to look at all of these indicators to tell us what the issue. Um, a lot of times what firms do is they only care about the collection, how much money came in or came out, and then they'll say it's a collection problem. And as I said, most of the times it's not, collection might be a specific issue in, in a time frame. Right? It might be that like for three months we have a collection issue, but an ongoing concern, it's never, never the issue uh, is, is collection. But to, to maybe before give, you act, you gotta identify what the problem is. Yeah, to maybe try to um, you know, help people a little bit here is, do you have like a, a general sense by senior and junior what the uh, a benchmark utilization might be? You know, so, is it 50%, 60, 70% of the um, hours? 
Uh, what do you generally think is a good direction that people should go? Because I'm, what I'm trying to do is figure out how we um, give people some things to grab onto and maybe go talk yeah. to their bookkeepers or their accounting firms uh, is a next step to kind of help them elevate their reporting. So uh, the utilization uh, as a firm, uh, we need to be at about 87%. That's kind of 85, 87% as a firm. That's where we want to be or out of our technical positions, right? So if we have a bookkeeper, we have an office manager, obviously they're not in that category. Uh, even owners uh, or partners depends on how much, you know, how much is it like owner three people or owner 10 people, obviously that's different, but as a general rule, we're looking at about 85, 87% should be billable. As far as seniority, Obviously, the more senior people can be maybe at 75%, maybe 80%, and the junior staff needs to be higher at like, you know, 92%, 93%. So it's, it's you know, uh, and again, some firms will have their senior staff very, very billable. Uh, everybody's a little different, but as a general rule of thumb, we need to have 85% utilization to really get to like the objectives um, we want to get to. Um, I know we're probably uh, running. I don't know if like a lot of the Q and A's are answered. If I can still have a few more minutes talking about projections, Peter, or do you yeah, wanna... why don't you do that? Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to kind of navigate between the Q and A and the chat. So why don't you move on here, and we'll keep going. I suspect there may be a part two to this conversation in the future. Sure. So, and by the way, just a quick question: when yeah. you talk about utilization. You're talking about like real billable hours, not holidays and weekends and all this other kind of thing, right? I'm talking about the hours that go on jobs versus the entirety of the hours. So if you know we have hours on leave or holiday or, or general office, that would go into the non-billable category and everything that's on a project, whether we build for it or not, hours on a project is what we call billable or utilization is hours on jobs. Um, uh, and again, the reason is also is when we think about hours and how think about the more junior, the most junior staff, the way they put in their time, whether it's gonna, we decide to build for it or not, it's really not up to them. So it's really uh, what, what's up to them is to focus their energy, their time towards jobs and not towards other things in, in, in the office. Um, I'm, I'm gonna quickly talk about uh, uh, projections and I think I'm maybe going to, this is specifically how we do projections. Uh, I don't think I have too much time to go into the kind of the, the details. So what I'll do is I'll maybe talk about this. So just before we focus on the report, when we deal with projections, we want to say, we want to go job by job. We know what the schedule is. We know what our fees are. And we want to go month by month, January, February, March, April, May, June, and project for every job, what is gonna be the billing for that month, for the next six, six months. Some firms do with between three to six, some have it between six to 12, depends on the length of the jobs. But we have to go job by job based on milestone, based on the schedule, based on the fee, and project what every job will bill for us in the future. This is very important. This is, this is a key for, 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 this, for this industry to know what's coming down the pipeline to make staffing decisions, to make pricing decisions, we need to have projections um, very, very clear and very, very accurate. Now, here we have it as divided by teams. Um, so we basically have, John has a team, there's Tim John, Tim Smith, Tim Rachel. They all have teams that like, these are like team leaders or studio directors or whatever that would be. If you don't have teams in your um, in your studios or in your firms, you just look at the, at the bottom line or what is the total billing projection, right? So if we focus on the total billing projection, we see that in January, we're billing for 150. February, we're- This is dollars, right? This is dollars. We're projecting 138. March is 144. April is 140, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We know what our billing projections are for the next six months based on signed work, right? There might work that comes in on March, it's obviously not here, but just based on signed work, where are we right now? Now, the column next to it, it's called designated staff. This is basically being calculated. If you guys remember, we talked about how, what is the revenue per professional employee that we need in the firm that was 
we talked about between 15 to 20. So let's say the goal for this specific firm as an example is 15,500. That's the specific that objectives that, they, that that firm has. According to the projections that we have right now, and according to 15,500, we can afford, this firm right now, based on signed work, can afford 8.9 staff or technical positions. John's team can afford five people. Smith's team can afford one. Rachel, 2.57. Based on their projection, that's how much they can afford. And then we have what the actual staff, this is the actual staff that every team has. And then we can really see right now, are we overstaffed? Are we understaffed? Do we have enough work? Do we have too much work? In this specific example, we see here that we're one person overstaffed, meaning we need more, uh, more work. We can also identify between the teams. Where do we need more work? Is it Team John, Tim Smith, Team Rachel? Here it's more about jo Team John is staffed properly, but Tim Smith and Team Rachel needs more work. So it really gives us an idea for A to know, wait a minute, we need more work. Let's go to this graph in the bottom, see where is our cliff, right? The cliff right here is in May, right? The blue is billing, the red is expenses. We can see that we're really going down in May. That tells us as a firm, we need to make sure that by May or the beginning of May, we have new work starting. That might mean that we need to be more aggressive in, in uh, pricing. That might mean different things. Doesn't necessarily mean we have to let one person go uh, by May. It just means when do we need to act and how do we need to act? And, and again, that can be a different scenario where we might say, you know what? We are showing that we can afford three more people because we're growing. That would give you guys comfort in growth. When you're growing a firm, you got to grow based on your projections. You got to make sure that you're bringing three more people into the firm, that you can afford these people, that you have work for these people. And really doing it by this way will help you um, just, just help you be kind of more comfortable growing, hiring people, uh, and et cetera. So really have accurate projections as much as you can. Don't just throw numbers out there. Don't just say, oh, project A is 10,000, project A is 15. No, no, let's have, let's look at the schedule, look at the fee, let's be accurate with it because we're gonna make staffing decision based on it. Um, and that's how you decide if you need to hire more people, if you need to price jobs more aggressively, and if we're still getting to this cliff without increasing our projection, we might need to talk about staffing or let people go or anything like that. But before we do that, we want to be ready for it three months before the cliff, not just a month before the cliff. So we want to project to the future, see what it's going to, what we're going to generate, and then decide if we need to let people go or bring more work or whatever it is. But let's just not live month by month. Let's not wait for our billing to be low and then to say, oh, we don't have enough work for the people that we have in the office. Let's go and generate more, more business. Let's look ahead for sustaining and also for, uh, for growing. I know I'm just um, a quick question this. on this, Yotam, before we um, try to wrap up here as best yeah. we can. Just to be clear, designated staff is based on your uh, benchmark of 15,500 per employee yes. that you're allocating uh, to those uh, billable hours. To those, right. to those projections, to those dollar yeah. values, right? Yeah. But of course, you don't have a half a person or whatever. Largely, you really, yeah. that's how you get to the actual staff. Yes. And so that's the, how you well, get to your overage. The actual staff is what we actually have. So Team John right now has five people. They have work that for 5.16 people, so they're, they're fine. Team Rachel, it's 2.57. I can't cut a person in half, right? I can't let half a person right. go. But it just tells me what studio or in a firm in general needs to generate more work. We need to bring more work for that staff. It also talks about workload of the studios, right? Who needs more work? And a lot of, a lot of times when we deal with teams, we'll shift people around, right? Because we'll see that Team John is like very busy while Team Rachel is not busy enough. Um, it just helps us knowing where um, not only 
what the team leaders feel or the project managers or you guys feel as a hunch, because the hunch are pretty good, um, but it just tells us, this is what the dollars tell us. This is how much we're producing versus how many people we have right, right now. And in, in most firms, uh, would you anticipate uh, like your in-house financial person to produce a report like this? Or is this something that most firms would look outside to their accounting firm or bookkeeping firm to help them organize this kind of a chart? Um, so I think accounting and CPAs obviously don't get involved with this. Um, so some, some firms, you know, when we come into a firm, obviously we take coverage when we come in, but when, what we see usually happens is sometimes maybe the principals or the more senior uh, staff would deal with it uh, just because they need to know also, um, you know, the dollar values, the contract and all of that stuff. So it, it depends. Um, what we mostly see it uh, being done with kind of the more senior uh, level. Some firms, maybe the, the CFO can help with that, but obviously there's a lot of input that's being needed from the project managers or directors or whatever we want to call the senior staff in, in the company. Right. Well, so if I were just to sort of think about summarizing what we've heard today, we've you know, got a, a look at sort of like how to organize a, a P&L and think about it. There you go. Why don't you take us through this quickly? <laughs> yeah. And then my head's spinning. I'm sure everyone's head is spinning here. And I think there's so much more to talk about here. It's, uh, it's not what we usually think about in design world, but it's obviously important. And I think that a lot of our people here are pretty smart about it. They just want to get smarter. Yeah, so I think really to summarize what we talked about today, uh, first thing we need to do is we have to set up uh, objectives uh, for, for the firm, um, revenue objectives uh, based on key performance indicators, KPIs, uh, expense budgets. We got to set all of, all of that up. Um, we then need to measure it, right? We need to measure uh, what we spoke about, our backlog, our accounts receivable, our revenue, our billing, our new contracts, our billable hours. Really track on a monthly basis all of these numbers to see how we're doing uh, versus uh, the goals. We got to make decisions according to the performance, uh, meaning if we're at the example we just said, we're seeing we have an issue here with utilization, then we got to look into what the issue is here uh, and all of that. So the decisions should really be based on the firm's uh, financial uh, performance. Project profitability, we did not talk about today, but it's something very important. We spoke about it, didn't show it. Something that we definitely need to look at how profitable, and that could be part two, by the way, profitable projects are, budget for projects, um, also change orders, to look at change orders, to see if we're you know, producing or we're doing work outside the scope. We need to also uh, talk about that. Again, didn't really talk about this, but it's something that's very important. Um, to, um, to kind of talk about or to, to deal with and monitor and uh, projections, right? We got to project and allocate the staff according to our uh, projections. That's really kind of the key things um, that we spoke about uh, today. I don't know if we have time so, for um, a Q&A, but yeah. yeah. Well, I think <laughs> we, we, uh, well, we're going to be running out of time here, but I think, uh, you know, I always say that uh, good uh, conversations like this raise more questions than answer. And okay. uh, by provoking these topics, I think one, we can come back and have a separate follow-up conversation on this. But additional, additionally, um, uh, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things people can go and ask their uh, teams and their support about here. Uh, one quick question, is there any kind of like silver bullet software tool that you really recommend? That's a question that's come up a couple of times. And secondly, I'll just say, you know, this uh, conversation has been recorded. We'll post it to the DLN uh, website and uh, people will be able to kind of go back and think about these topics further uh, once, once this is posted. So if you do, is there a software that you recommend? So again, I think it, it depends on, on the size of the company. Um, obviously, we have our tools, but we work with a software with like the company's um, software all the time. Um, I'd say from a certain size uh, of the company, it makes sense to go to a project management software and probably hear of like this. There's the bigger you are, you need something more complex. If it's, you know, the Dell Tech tools, if it's Vision, if it's Azure. Um, and sometimes you'll uh, also, you know, if you're smaller, it might be 
uh, softwares that are more about the hours and maybe not as complex uh, from an accounting perspective, but you can still use uh, QuickBooks. Um, so I don't, we don't have one specific software that we love for everybody. It really depends, I think, on the, uh, on the size of the company and what the need is. We have to be, we have to be careful when we deal with um, accounting softwares is sometimes, you know, it's more of a headache just to maintain for a certain size. It's more a headache just maintaining those softwares than really the benefit you're getting from them. Obviously, again, we work with firms that are five people and firms that are 150. So it's, they have very different needs also. Uh, therefore, the software is very, is very different. Great. Well, thank um, and again, you. also, I know I, we're not talking about things. Uh, I think there's people also out of the US. So there's also different software also uh, by countries also. Yeah. Well, I, I would, Yotam, I'd like to just thank you so much for your time today. Um, this was really thoughtful and uh, provocative on topics that are really are important to the way uh, professional design firms work. And so I'm sure that uh, everyone on the call here got a lot out of this. If anyone's interested in meeting Yotam, of course, um, uh, Sydney and Megan from the DLN team can, uh, can um, you know, make an introduction. And I'd just like to say, you know, expert access, um, you all told us in your year-end survey that this was one of the uh, best uh, programs that we've uh, produced in 2020 in response to the, the new COVID uh, kind of working style. So we're going to keep this going and look forward to many more of these conversations in the balance of the year. So thank you all and have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thank you so much.